how do you use the internet and the technologies available to you today to build systems in your business that take care of acquisition? Because that's the thing, right? Like everyone goes through feast or famine where it's like, mm-hmm. I, I have to go get new clients and I get new clients. Then I don't have time to get new clients because I'm servicing old clients. And then when yeah. I'm done with old clients, I have no clients. And so my income is up and down and up and down. Welcome to the Accredited Investor Podcast, where you'll learn from the world's most successful entrepreneurs, business leaders, innovators, industry titans in commercial real estate, business, marketing, sales, tech, blockchain, crypto, and emerging trends. I'm your host, Jonathan Tuttle, founder of a private equity firm focused on acquisitions of niche commercial real estate along with traditional businesses. Also, I founded a digital growth consulting agency for business owners, helping them with digital marketing, Web3, and crypto solutions. Guys, welcome back to the Credit Investor Podcast. Today, I have a very talented and skilled entrepreneur. You've probably seen him all over online, Taylor Welch, who's a multiple podcasts, multiple books, multiple business ventures going, always out there hustling and you know, creating and building. So hailing from Nashville, welcome to the show, Taylor. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for being on. Uh, when did you first start? I was in your, uh, was it pretty, like seven or eight years ago, was your first entrepreneur venture. Is that correct? Yeah, I was working at a single family real estate turnkey firm. On the side, you know, they the the founders of that firm wanted me to uh, take over a, a bit of their marketing. And I'd never really done marketing before. So I learned it. Did the traditional thing, bought some, bought the books, started testing, and uh, I had a knack for it. And so I took over some of their marketing. And within about you know three or four months, I was making money on the side doing marketing. They knew about it. Everything was above board. I loved that company. I left the right way. Um, they were, you know, I remember sitting in the boardroom with the founder, and he was like, you know, what do we need to do to keep you? I was like, I just can't. I'm not. It's not going to work. <laughs> I'm ready to go. I'm ready to run. Um, I never wanted to be an entrepreneur ever. And it never was like. I love, I envy the people who grew up wanting to be entrepreneurs. And it's like they studied the materials and they were selling lemonade on the, as kids, but that was, wasn't me. Um, so I, I did feel like for a while I was at a, they had a head start, you know, they had, I was at a disadvantage, but I got into marketing. I started doing it for myself and for clients. And uh, we started a consulting firm, started a staffing firm. And then around 2019, we got back into real estate, but this time as investors. And it's been a wild ride since 2019. I mean, we rode, the ups and downs. And, and now, you know, the world is a little bit nuts at the moment. You know, it's it's a great time to be an investor if you're agile. Investors that are fixed or stuck in their ways, I think are really getting hit right now. So if you're willing to update your playbook, you can continue advancing because the markets are just out of control. We can talk about that. Yeah, no, exactly. We kind of talked about that before we had uh, gotten the recording here. And you have to be creative nowadays because we were just talking about cap rates compression, especially in the mobile home park space. What are some of the plays you're, you know, what are creative plays you're kind of doing going forward? Yeah, I think the trends right now I'm seeing, you know, obviously with development because we don't have enough housing on the single family side, you know, it's built for rent. It's, it's a very legitimate lending package for your banks. Go in, uh, perk the land, build 50, 100, 200 houses on it and do build for rent communities. And then the second trend that I'm really liking right now is short-term rentals. And so we have a little bit of a merge of those two We where we have, you know, my acquisitions fund manager just got back from Missouri. We have two plots of land that we're doing build for rent, but they're all short-term rentals. 
And so kind of a layering on of those two projects because inventory is really in low supply and then short-term rentals, people want to get out of their cities. They want to work from somewhere else in short-term extended stays. Like, yeah, that's why Blackstone is buying up some of these Mm -hmm. like month to month hotels. They're almost like condos in hotel form. And so for us, I see big opportunity on the short-term rental side, but developing it from the ground up is kind of how you're getting your equity baked in right now because the cap rates are all compressed and everything's super low cap. And uh, honestly, it's very difficult to compete right now if you're interested in numbers. If you don't care about the numbers, you just pull a hedge fund and you just go buy 300 homes. All of them are you know, overvalued, but you're banking on inflation and everything. We don't want to do that. Smart investors aren't interested in doing that. So we are developing to kind of get around that. You hit it right on the head. It's 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 so crazy right now. And just like we were, we put an offer on our property and we end up competing against some big institutional player and they all bid us by like yeah, seven man. million on a deal. I'm like, they literally paid for all the equity. Like yep. there's nothing off down the, the deal. They were just doing it for a land grab just to acquire it. So yep. and that's you know, you gotta be creative. You gotta be, like you said, agile going forward because it's not the good old days like it was like three or four years ago. Yeah, hundred percent. What if, so you've started with that and then a lot of people probably recognize you from, if you want to go into this a little bit about the, your former marketing or your uh, agency that you have, what's kind of the direction you're going forward with that? Are you going to keep building out or what are you going to do with that? So the, the first consultancy we ever built, which is still going, is called Traffic and Funnels. You know, it, it catered to consultants, coaches, and then as a tag along, we also included service providers. And it was really built around this idea of how do you use the internet and the technologies available to you today? to build systems in your business that take care of acquisition. Cause that's the thing, right? Like everyone goes through feast or famine where it's like, mm-hmm. I, I have to go get new clients and I get new clients. Then I don't have time to get new clients because I'm servicing old clients. And then when yeah. I'm done with old clients, I have no clients. And so my income is up and down and up and down. And it was such a pain point when we were hitting the industry in 2015, late in the year, 2015, we we're like, man, this is something that people are asking for. And as a service provider myself, you know, I started as a freelancer. I didn't understand. Sometimes I think people who have developed a proficiency at something, they begin to believe that what they do is normal. And that's where like imposter syndrome comes from, where it's like, oh man, you think that your skill set and your gift is like normal for everyone else to have it. And, it's, and no, 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 that's not, that's ne- almost never is that the case. And that was what was happening to me. So my business partner at the time was like, man, you have a waiting list. It's like 11 months long. People are paying you upfront to just be on your waiting list. We should teach people how to do this. I was like, okay, sure. Like, whatever, let's try it. And it we hit on a major pain point inside of the market because the systems that I had developed and my business partner had developed were leveling out and evening out that feast or famine cycle. But to back to backtrack and answer your question, you know, we were helping coaches consultants and service providers. And we've really, we've really tilted around and come full circle to where, you know, freelancers are one of the largest growing sectors of the Mm -hmm. US economy and the gig economy and people who are like, I want to take projects on the side and I want to work from home. And, And so we're, we flipped that around to really primarily helping freelancers, helping them find clients, get clients, service clients, retain clients. And, um, you know, there, there are kind of five pillars that we're helping them with today. The five, they all start with the letter T think, Talk, transact, traffic, and team. If you can get these five things nailed down in your business, um, your business will grow itself and you just really have to stay out of the way. And when I talk about this, people are like, yo, you're just being a marketer. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, And people like you who have seen it, like they see us, they've seen the exponential yield on the, the growth curve that we've been through. And it's really these five things. And so we help freelancers 
dial those things in, help them really build their book of business in a way that is predictable and safe and fun and long-term. And then the staffing firm on the sales side is, is still crushing, is doing well. We, we teach people our style of sales, how sales works for us and how they can implement it in their business models. And then we also staff salespeople into other businesses uh, that need high performance, work from anywhere, sales professionals who can just take calls, close calls and produce revenue. I think the average salesperson supports 13 full-time roles in a company. And so, you know, it's it's not that any one person is more important than another. It's just like every salesperson funds 13 full-time roles. You got to make sure that your salespeople are properly staffed and dialed in and trained and all that. And so there's those two main consultancies are still working inside of the online space. And everything else we do is really just, you know, not not supplementary to that, but they're in different feels like the asset businesses, the commercial business, you know, the single family rental business, all of those are kind of the place that we want to send capital to from the first two businesses. Yeah, I love it. It's full circle. What do you see the, because uh, obviously with digital, we've seen a lot of pullback and Facebook's having identity crisis here with Meta. So what do you kind of see going forward with uh, digital marketing in general? It's probably it's a broad question, but where do you see opportunities and where do you see things going away from in digital marketing going forward? I don't think Facebook's having an identity crisis. I think Zuckerberg is was trying to pull a Bezos, and <laughs> you know, if if yep. you're going to be cannibalized at some point, you might as well cannibalize yourself. And I think that he just didn't have the right controls over his PR and the brand, and and so he kind of, I think it was a misstep in terms of timing. The funny thing about, and it depends, like the the question you're asking, it really depends on like what industry I'm looking into. Like the the opportunities for the next 10 years, you know, advertising is going to be placed in the metaverse. We're already doing this. Like I was watching a movie the other day and there, and it's like, I don't even know, I don't know how many millions of dollars this company paid to put their poster on the building inside the movie. Like we're already there. We're just going to a new level where it's like advertising space is going to infiltrate even more real estate and it's all false, fake real estate. It's where attention is going. And so my big thing right now that I'm kind of tracking and focusing on and paying attention to is how to show up in more places at the same time, because I think that there's something to be said for not just being single source dependent. Like we're pretty agnostic in terms of the platform. If you can show up on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and you're in a movie and it's like you're, you begin to overwhelm and flood the zone, I guarantee you there are people going to be listening to this and like, you know, that dirty capitalist, like just, but no, 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 this is how it works. Like he who owns attention owns commerce, yep. period. And so Gary Vaynerchuk and some of these guys, six, seven, eight years ago, they they got it right. They saw the future because commerce follows eyeballs. So the opportunity is to advance. It's not to pull back, but being where the puck is going to be would be, you know, you got your TikTok and some of your new platforms, YouTube, like advertising inside of uh, influencer videos, micro influencers. There's so much opportunity to get your brand and your name out there. If you can kind of pay attention to the, to the ringleaders, so to speak. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yep. Yeah, it's kind of the whole omnipresence, but now going on to new platforms. The cool thing about TikTok is they don't throttle your views. <laughs> you can see people, yeah. the difference between the views on Instagram, and then, you know, if you've seen it get pulled back and pulled back, and then you look on TikTok, and this same post on TikTok has like a million views. So crazy. So I see a lot of opportunity there, and I've had it. I haven't done any ads really on YouTube, but everyone's been saying it's been really good compared to like Facebook with the old iOS. 
update, yeah. tracking kind of disappearing. And the algo is amazing. Yeah, you know, I think Apple's been waiting a long time, and Facebook has had so many. It's not just PR. It's like they actually did the wrong thing in many cases with yeah. privacy uh, exploitation. Yep. With even using Facebook Marketplace for like exploitation of human beings, like man, there was some nasty stuff that Facebook was allowing with their platform. And I think Apple had finally had enough and they were just like, you know, no, we're done with this, which is actually like that's if, if Steve Jobs were still here, he would have done this five or six years ago. He didn't really play nicely with with any of that stuff. And so I think Facebook had it coming. And it's amazing what you can accomplish when you just decide to be good and decent rather than, you know, trying to maximize every bit of dollar capacity inside of your PL. I think they messed up. Yeah, agreed. I agree. It's I used to be the biggest proponent of Facebook because I, I saw my organic post and like it's so throttled nowadays. <laughs> like, yeah. like, should I even post something if like 20 percent of the people even see it if I'm lucky and it's like good yeah. quality content? They want you to pay for it. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I do. I pay for <laughs> running ads. You know, yeah. that's the best way to get traffic and just you know reverse engineer what it costs, get a call, I made those clothes, and keep recycling it. So. What do you think for real estate? So, because you got some big projects going on, what are your kind of next three to five year goals in, in terms of real estate? We're going to put all, a lot of the single family residential on holds. You know, we have a decent portfolio. It's just so it like like here's here's my big like as a math person, selling properties right now as an investor, you 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 almost are buying properties at the very top of the market, and so it makes it difficult for and nobody can time it. So I'm not a a magician. Like I have no idea what's going to happen over the next two to three years, but we're four and a half million homes short. So prices can't come down. So we're sort of incubated there, but then rent rates aren't escalating fast enough because they can't, because wages aren't increasing the way that house prices are. It's, it's just a mess. Yeah. So we're actually starting to move some of the equity in our single family residential portfolio into the development, some multifamily, uh, because they're a little bit more incubated from what I would say the risk profiles are on single family residential. Now, who knows what the Federal Reserve is going to do? Uh, they've got to raise rates, I think, at least once more this year, maybe a couple of times this year. Who knows what's going on with all the BS in, in Russia and Ukraine and everything over. And there's instability everywhere, which is going to hit every investment market. That might provide an opportunity to begin accumulating assets under value. But the reality is like, we won't know for three or four years whether the the asset increases are due to inflation or whether they're due to demand or just an arbitrarily low supply. I think we have three or four more years of single family before there's a massive steep correction. Because in a couple of years, the supply is going to be fixed and we'll start seeing charts that that look a lot like 2006, 2007, 2008. Right now, the charts look nothing like 2007, nothing like them. And so your economists who are like, yo, this is a bubble, it's stupid. Like they're not doing math, which is hilarious for an economist to not be doing math, but the supply is so low. Whereas in 2007, the supply was so high and prices started going down. Supply was up. We have the opposite. You know, we have the opposite problem right now. So I'm I'm pretty bullish on you know your Airbnbs, your VRBOs. Like we made it through the last, we made it through the pandemic. I think that Americans want to travel. They don't want to be stuck in silos anymore. And uh, I'm also bullish on just the fact that land is going up and up and up. And so if you can secure the land, hang on to it and then build on it, you're more incubated than you are in the traditional Burr model at the moment. That yeah. could change, but that's where I'm at right now. No, yeah, I, I agree with all that, that sentiment. It's, it's just crazy times. And just for the real estate side, 
like an iron itch, I, I mentioned before, just seeing the cap, it's getting so compressed. And like, like now I'm like, well, I'm looking to do a multifamily just because as a, just to one, there's a really, there's like 43,000 plus mobile home parks. So it's really low to slap fly to begin with. And then multifamily, you get those big, especially if you're raising, you know, fun capital and you get a big chunk of change, it's a lot easier to buy one $50 million multifamily than buying like three mobile home parks. And so yeah. Yeah, that's, that's some of the challenges we're facing right now on the you know, MHP side. And it's just crazy because like our sentiment and like our industry is kind of blown up in the last couple of years. And like, now I have like a four-year run. I was like hoping I could do this forever, but now it's like a four-year run. So yeah. Well, that's, that's the, that's the agility piece, you know, like yeah. you, you get a nice bed of assets and then you just stay agile. And it's like, sometimes I was reading Sam Bell. I think that's his name. He, there's a book ab- about him called, am I being too subtle? Oh yeah. Sam Zell. Yeah. 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 Sam Zell. Yeah. Yeah. Sam Zell. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things with him is he was always, he was a timing aficionado. Like he yep. studied timing and, and he almost always seemed to be right ahead of the markets. But for him, you know, he never, he, he said this quote that I'll share here that I think is really, really impactful. Choosing to not sell something or to hang on to it means essentially you're, you would choose to rebuy the same thing with the current market conditions. And he said it more eloquently than that, eloquently than that. But like, you have to always be willing to sell or liquidate what you have when the timing is right. Because yeah. if you wouldn't buy the portfolio at the current market value, then you shouldn't hold on to it either because that represents a differential between the value and the price. And so there's houses in my portfolio right now that I bought at a good price three years ago, but I wouldn't rebuy them today at, at the current market value. So I'm going to sell them be, simply because they've obviously appreciated to a point where I wouldn't buy them again. So choosing to hang on to something is choosing to rebuy it due to opportunity costs. And I thought that was such an interesting perspective. It's, maybe it's helpful, maybe it's not, but it hit me. Yeah, Sam Zell, the grave digger. He sold this portfolio of uh, yep. office buildings like 2000, right before the crash, last crash. Yep. And yeah, yep. he's also the biggest owner of apartment buildings, biggest owner office, and biggest owner of mobile home parks. And he, so he's a big Chicago. I've never met him, but I, he's right downtown Chicago. It's like brilliant, though. He's considered the greatest real estate investor of all time. It's a great book. So, more, yeah. what are some other books that, uh, that you've got some good insight from since we're on that topic? For, on investing? Yeah, yeah, investing in general. Honestly, like I love, I love studying. I don't, I don't find myself picking up insights from books that are just topical. And, and what I mean by that is, like, I I will find real estate insights from books about marketing and attention, and I'll find marketing principles from books about real estate. And so, you know, there's a lot of of books in my library from like Richard Koch, like 80-20 principle. I'm like, yo, this is a real estate book, even though he's talking about management and and he's not talking about real estate at all. There's a book right now that I'm just finishing up called uh, the, the Tiny Book of How to Beat the Markets or something like that. It's a little blue book. It's about stocks. You know, I'm, I'm reading through a book about financial intelligence right now just because there are some firms that I own a piece of that are moving to accrual financing. I would say probably top, top like list. There's a book called The Road Less Stupid. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a fantastic book, Principles by Ray Dalio. Yep, yep. And then I really enjoy studying human psychology. And so Robert Greene and you know the, the laws of power, the laws of strategy, the laws of human nature. And there's so many good insights that you can pick up if you just begin to study human nature and human psychology. Yep. Because that actually precedes all of the things in the capital markets, the real estate world. And you can't predict it, but you can recognize the signs when they're happening if you're aware of what's happening. Yeah, exactly. The 25 cognitive biases and yeah. make people make the choices. Yeah. yeah. And then Benjamin, I think I saw you were doing a Benjamin Graham the other day, reading one of his books. Yes. I, I study his stuff from time to time. It's just kind of like 
more like the like a Bible, you know. Yeah, I, I don't dry. go through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Warren Buffett's. Uh, that's I think that was one of his first mentors, basically back in the. It was yeah. I think it was the... it was securities analysis was the yeah, big book yep. that I was reading. Yeah. So when people think of um, of Graham, they always think intelligent investor. But I was actually yep. reading through his securities book, which I don't even know is like I don't even know how applicable it is in today's climate. Yeah. Big tech and deflation has kind of broken a lot of that. Like you can't necessarily like companies aren't valued based on balance sheets as much anymore as they are. It's weird. And like just technology and it's like for Tesla, for example, like you can't value Tesla based on its balance sheet. (laughs) It's a tech company. It's a big tech company that builds cars. And so it's this convergence of multiple fields that just inflate the multiple, which is fine. I think Tesla will be the most important company in the world within the next decade. Uh, but it breaks the old model of investing. Yeah, exactly. It's What do you think, since we're talking technology, what's your thoughts on uh, crypto? I see some of the stuff on your levels of wealth. What's kind of your thoughts on the direction of either DAOs and or yield farming? What's kind of like, what are you excited about and what things you're not excited about in that regard? Yeah, I, I think DAOs represent such a significant shift in how companies are managed. I think that crypto... Like if we're talking about crypto and blockchain technology and Web3, like all of these technologies are just going to definitely, they're going to replace Web 2.0. Now, I'm not one of these guys who's like, yo, yeah, crypto is going to bend the gov- the world government to its knees and take over everything. I think that the old system, like the fiat system was, it, it was, it was well-engineered for what they wanted at the time. It just has so many loopholes. And when you get something that can be easily controlled that way, it will corrupt anybody who's in that seat trying to control it. And it does not matter how virtuous or moral a person is. Uh, we can go way off the deep end with this, but it's like every single virtuous moral person was just killed before they could do anything. And so, you know, there's there's the one thing I'll throw on people like, oh, Taylor's a conspiracy theorist, which technically they're always right. They're just 10 years early. So you can throw that title to me if you want. But I do think Bitcoin, Ethereum, like Ethereum right now is my favorite thing to, to buy. It's super, I just think it's so undervalued uh, yeah, for what great. it is that yeah. the entire world what seems like it will be built on Ethereum. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot that has to be figured out first, but I'm a fan. I'm very bullish. Yeah. So that's kind of one thing that I'm exploring now is kind of a dial. The biggest thing I've, the challenge I think is you making sure you have the right structure because it is a community base. So if you have a bunch of people where we're seeing stuff now, there's a real estate, it's for buying a dollar for buying up like franchise McDonald's. And, and But the problem is yeah. you got to make sure that you're buying the right one. So you got to give them like the choices, not just like, Hey, just go buy anything. Cause you know, the people that have no business experience, you know, there's like, Oh, it sounds cool to buy, but then they're going to be leading into the wrong direction. Yep. And so that's um, kind of the biggest challenge. What do you, th- how do you th- kind of overcome that? Do you have any ideas? Uh, overcoming which part? Just kind of like, what do you think for, I guess I, to quantify the question better. So like for the, some of the dials, what do you, is there any solution you could think of that's kind of simple or is it just kind of like more just showing them the three, it was kind of cherry picking the best deals because from my understanding of dials, it's kind of like everything goes and the groups kind of decide on it. Yeah. Well, I think that there's still, there can be a ringleader of people that develop and put that together. Mm-hmm. Now, an interesting person you should have on the show is um, Cody Sanchez. Yeah, she she is um, she's an investor, but she also just funded like a franchise. I don't think it's a DAO, but it's a platform that you can invest in franchises online. And I think the lowest tier is like five hundred bucks. So it's kind of like a fundrise or something like ish mm-hmm. for franchises. So Gates can make a connection, but she's in, she's brilliant. 
And you should definitely have her on the show. And she could probably give you some really great trends that she's seeing on the franchise world and potentially even how DAOs are going to hit that market. I don't know. I haven't studied it. But I do know that crypto is going to be an amazing thing once we figure out how to make it mass adoptive and once the government stop fighting with it. So, yeah, that's the biggest thing. I think, uh, you know, it just it's the governments can't figure out, uh, you know, what to do with it right now. And so it's like even with uh, Russia, with their... <laughs> them banning the republic from uh, basically using crypto is just crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. So hopefully it doesn't happen here, but you never know what's going on with the world. So yeah. we can wrap this up because I know you got some calls going on. What are some of the best ways to follow you? I, you were actually the first person I saw, like I got back on Twitter because I haven't been on Twitter for like 11 years. And I think it's on your Facebook level as well. If you're like, this is where everyone's at. And like, I've kind of got back into Twitter. That was my first social media platform. Didn't use yeah. it for like seven years. I had to forgot my handle even. Yeah, <laughs> it's, got back down, it's been like, it's where all the action's at for especially the Web3 crypto space. Just a, it's the cutting edge. It's where everything kind of breaks first. It's also savage. So I make fun of people who are just on Facebook. I'm like, man, you can't handle it on Twitter. And that if that drives them to Twitter. But yeah, people can follow me there, Taylor A. Welch. Um, you can go to taylorawelch.com slash links, L-I-N-K-S. Every username I have is the same. YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, it's all Taylor A. Welch. And if you follow me there, send me a message. I love talking to people anytime I get the chance. So thanks for having me on the show. Perfect. Thanks for being on the Credit Investor Podcast. Got it. Hey, it's Jonathan. I get exclusive access to great investment deals, opportunities from my community, my network, and just for my loyal listeners. We'll give you first access. Go to accreditedinvestorpodcast.com and sign up for the email list. Also, join the Accredited Investor Podcast Patreon group, where we give you additional exclusive interviews, monthly private group calls, and networking with others in this community. Check out Accredited Investor Podcast on Patreon. Finally, I get a lot of people asking for to help them one-on-one. Yes, I can, but it's very limited. Go to revenueascend.com slash consulting for any real estate investing exclusive access go to midwestparkcapital.com all links are included below please like comment and share this podcast with other friends thanks for listening